the New York media has gotten soft, including you, Paul. I don't need any kind of crap from you. Take a lap defense. Take a lap special teams. Who cares? No. It doesn't matter. It sure does. It doesn't. Paul, do you know what drip is? Do we have to explain? No, I'm going to let you wear the clown makeup. Removing goalposts. How stupid is that? No drunkenness. He answered the question fine. We move on. Shoot your shot. Yeah. Shoot or shoot. The kicker. You hear how he says the kicker. Like he's a subset from the team. Do I send you journalism lessons on Twitter? We got a lot of angry people on this podcast. Yeah. Brady and the Bucks take over. First down attempt. The 15 and hops up into the air and it's picked off. It's a Dory Jackson. Pressure. Jones off his back foot and it's caught. Andrew Thomas. Welcome back to the Giants lineup. Here's Ronald Jones to try the left side. Get the corner. Get the end zone. I faith in all the people on our team. Players, coach, everything. But we'll assess everything as a team, make any move we need to going forward. Giants only rushing three all sorts of time. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. But as a player, there's some things I'd be frustrated too with as well. What, what thing would that be? I'm going to keep that between the team right there. Here's Daniel Jones. Just threw it right to the Buccaneers. I don't point fingers. I don't make excuses. We're going to get this right. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our Giants podcast from the New York Post. Two-time Super Bowl champion Lawrence Tynes. Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz. Let's skip all the, the introduction salutation. We'll get into the game in a little bit. We've recorded a lot of this show early in the morning, but we are back to record the emergency segment of the podcast. And guys, it has happened. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Jason Garrett has been fired after an abysmal performance on Monday night from the Giants and a 30-10 loss to the Bucks. Lawrence, I know you were waiting for this news. It came in the afternoon. Unfortunately, there was no in-flight Wi-Fi for Paul. As soon as he landed, got the news, and it's a big one. Let's react. Lawrence, start with you and your reaction here. Well, of course, you never like to see anyone lose their job. This just adds another dimension of pressure to the organization for more moves down the road, potentially. But this puts a lot of pressure on Joe Judge and Daniel Jones and this offense moving forward, because obviously you've made the move to to fire Garrett. But I certainly think it's the right move for this organization to take a step forward and see if change does initiate any kind of shot in the arm into this offense. I thought it was I thought it was the right move. Certainly something uh, they should have done maybe even before this. Yeah, right move, wrong time is the way I look at it. Look, there's no downside to this right now other than, you know, a man losing his job and, you know, Jason Garrett is a respected guy in the building and around the league. There's no downside to it. I mean, are they going to be less effective on offense with anybody else calling the plays? I mean, this team scored 16 points two weeks ago against the Raiders and Daniel Jones threw for 110 yards. And you say, well, you couldn't fire him then before the bye because they won the game. Well, wait a second. They won the game because Xavier McKinney returned an interception for a touchdown. That's why they won the game. So I, I think Joe Judge, now Joe Judge said, um, you know, he he explained this move and he said, I don't think there's ever an ideal time to make a change like this in season. Entering the bye week, we had played a stretch of three games where I thought as a team we were making some progress overall. I wanted to give it a little more time. That was his mistake. This could have been done two weeks two weeks ago. This could have been, you know, the bye week is the time to do this. Last year at the bye week, he fired Mark Colombo, mainly because Mark Colombo almost came over his desk and tried to hit Joe Judge in the face. Um, so it's interesting. He hires Jason Garrett. He hires Mark Colombo, who was Jason Garrett's offensive line coach in Dallas, certainly with the endorsement of Jason Garrett. And now after 26 games, Colombo's been fired and Garrett's been fired. Uh, Joe Judge did not like the um, insinuation that this was an arranged marriage. He said, I hire the staff, but there's no question the co-owner wanted 
a former head coach on the staff, and Garrett was a good one to get. Turned out to be a, a you know a bad offensive coordinator for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at pure numbers, I mean, thirty first in the league last year and twenty sixth this year, it's a no brainer move. You know what this does too, though, is if I'm Daniel Jones and I'm sitting in that locker room, I know that part of my play got somebody fired. I mean, that's how you think about it as a player. And there's going to be an added dimension of pressure on him. Maybe Freddie Kitchens is the answer. We won't know that until we see what he does. Maybe even not even this week. He can't even maybe grade him this week because he's only going to have three or four days with this unit. But they'll use the same playbook. It's just a matter of how he's going to call plays and use personnel. I just don't think Tony and, and Galladay are on the field. You know, if you look at some of the stat numbers from the plays, how many plays each game they're playing, they're not on the field enough. And I don't know if that's purposeful or maybe some guys are better in certain personnel groups. But Freddie Kitchens, you can believe, is going to put all his best players on the field at the same time. Or is he, though? Paul, didn't he say that he's not sure and he's not going to announce till later in the week who is calling the play? That's a little strange, right? No. I mean, it, this is gamesmanship. You know, what? Why? why tell the Eagles, look, Freddie Kitchens is calling the plays and now the Eagles can go back and study Freddie Kitchens and see some of his – you know, way he does things. So this is a little bit of intrigue. I mean, Joe Judge was actually asked, might you call the plays on offense? And he said, everything is on the table. I guarantee you, if, if that's on the table, that's like right at the edge and about to fall off. Joe Judge is not going to be calling. Who are some other offense. candidates, Paul? Who I mean, does Dooley have some play calling ability? The receivers coach? Or tight ends. The young guy Callaway they hired, he was a really dynamic offensive coordinator at Samford. Okay. Yes. Um, yes. And now Samford is not Alabama. I get that, but James. Maybe Be- he's your guy. Yeah. yeah but so, but I, I think it'll be Kitchens. I really do. And listen to what Joe Judge said about Kitchens. Interesting kind of buzzwords about Kitchens. Now he said, "Look, I'm talking about Freddie Kitchens, but I'm not saying he's the play call." He said he's very aggressive. Okay, he has a very aggressive approach, and he said he has an ability to create matchups, and he sees the game through the lens of the player. And he creates plays for the player. Now, I don't think anyone can say that Jason Garrett did that. I don't know if Jason Garrett, what lens he saw through. Um, you know, he saw through a lens of um, not scoring enough points. And look, Joe Judge said, look, sometimes we can think, well, we don't really know what they're doing. Look, Lawrence, you were on the inside. You know a lot more than any of us about a lot of this stuff. But sometimes, you know, Joe Judge said it, we're not scoring enough points. And that you can make it as simple as possible. It's about touchdowns. It's about scoring points. And this guy couldn't do it. Look, after what we saw in Tampa, you can't get much worse than that. I mean, that was that was just a dreadful offensive showing. And I say, especially like I said, especially against a defense that had given up, you know, thirty two points a game, Paul. That's what we were all expecting. At least some sort of offense. They had no Vita Vey, as you kept on pointing out, to, to run the ball against, and they had a defensive backfield that was depleted. Now, I don't think it's fair to say, boy, he got fired because the Giants didn't win in Tampa. And, and Joe Judge said there was no tipping point. There was no boiling point. But there was a boiling point that I think he was he was on the hot seat. And then, you know, that you can't get worse than that game. You just can't get worse. You know, Kadarius Toney had a ton of targets, 12, seven catches. His longest catch was eight yards. Kenny Galladay had two targets and one catch. So the onus, I always say, you know, point to the players. And I am pointing to the players. But Someone's got to do a better job on this with these guys. There's no question. Yeah, and Freddie Kitchens, you know, he was a quarterback at Alabama. He played the position. He was a good player. I remember growing up, we're about the same age, watching him play in college. I mean, he was a really good You're about the same age as Freddie Kitchens? Yes, I am. He looks um, like your very, very older 
cousin. I wouldn't even say brother. Uncle Freddie. You guys have had different life. I think. Well, I think yeah, I don't coach. I don't coach. Look what he's doing. I mean, he's been coaching since he got out of football. That's important. I don't know what kind of relationship he and Daniel have, but I heard Dan. Uh, a lot of people like Freddie Kitchens. He's a good guy. A lot of fun. Uh, and he obviously worked, you know, a good year with Baker Mayfield. Turned it into a head coaching job. So um, we'll see what happens. But again, we're just speculating, right? Because you said we don't know that he's going to be the one calling the plays. But like you said, I think that's gamesmanship. Yeah, but I, I think he will. I feel pretty strongly he will. Poor Jason and John Garrett getting let go, you know, 24 hours apart. J and J, Aaron Rodgers, not a fan. But Jason Garrett released a statement. Uh, so I'll read this statement today. Is certainly disappointing, but I want to say how truly grateful I am to the mayor and the Tisch families for giving me the opportunity to coach the New York Giants. They represent all that is good about the NFL. I also want to thank the Giants coach and staff for the hard work and unwavering kindness to my wife, Brill, and me. The building is filled with great people and made our time here special. Most of all, I want to express my gratitude to the players that I've had the privilege to coach here. While the bottom line results weren't what we wanted, I'll be forever inspired by their approach, their professionalism, and the fight they demonstrated regardless of the circumstance. And he said, one of the things that motivated me to accept this position was the opportunity to help rebuild the Giants into a contending team. We knew there would be many challenges. My expectations for our offense were much greater than what our results have been, and I accept full responsibility for that. Know that I wish everyone with the Giants nothing but the best going forward. In gratitude, Jason Garrett. So no punches thrown on the way out here. A classy response from Jason. No, J- J- that's not. Yeah, that that's that's Jason Garrett. And 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 but the statement he said last week was the key when he said, you know, and he 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 was he showed some emotion for the first time when I asked him about the offensive line and is that holding this all back? And he said, this is a rebuild. You know, we know it's a rebuild. When we did it in Dallas, we drafted, we took years and years and built that offensive line. He said, we're just starting it here. And he not basically, he, he in, in actuality said, we have one centerpiece here, Andrew Thomas. So, you know, if you you know, get a few drinks in Jason Garrett, he's going to say, look, we didn't score enough points. And you know what? The main reason was because we couldn't block worth a damn. That was the key. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, pause. I sit back and look at this. I wonder how much of this is how many how much does Joe Judge have his hands in each week's game plan? Because it feels like they were never the same team personnel-wise every week. They try to morph into something every week, almost like a Belichick type Patriots team where they have to run the ball one week, then they do that had to play a part in their inconsistency. And maybe maybe Jason Garrett, for him to come out and say what he did about the offensive line last week. I don't know. There's going to be more to this down the road, but I just feel like the inconsistency of who they are every week, not necessarily personnel, has played a huge part in this. They try to do something different every week, and they're not good at anything. Because right, because they don't have a base that they can lean yeah. on. You know, so so when the other like the Raiders, they have edge rushers, so they said we can't block their edge rushers. We can't do it. So we're going to get the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands quick, and we're going to run the ball like crazy. So what happens? Four targets to wide receivers. They win the game, but that's not – that's bogus is what it is. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, the Jason Garrett era is over. And by the way, the highlights you heard earlier, courtesy of Steve Levy, ESPN, you heard Joe Judge. And now let's react, Lawrence. I'll start with you to that 30-10 to 10 blowout. Terrible. Absolutely embarrassing. Paul, if a if a team can have uh, defining wins in a season, this definitely falls in the category of a defining loss on national TV yet again. You know, you know what the problem is? The problem is not that they lost. It really isn't. I mean, I thought this was a setup in a lot of ways. You know, the Giants were coming off a bye. They lost two out of three. And I'm, I'm sorry, they won two out of three coming out of the bye. You know, they were getting uh, Saquon Barkley back. Darius Tony was healthier than he has been all year. Kenny Galladay was healthier than he has been 
Heisman all year, and maybe most important of all, Andrew Thomas was coming back to return to start at left tackle. So there was a feeling that the Giants are healthier on offense, and we're going to see what this offense can look like, like we did in the second half in New Orleans. Right now, if that was not good enough to beat the Super Bowl champion Bucks on a Monday night football game after the Bucks had lost two straight, okay, I mean, not good, not acceptable, but so be it. We needed to see what this offense could do, and we did. <laughs> we did. We saw what they could do and what they couldn't do. This was the worst offensive game of the year. That is why it is so um, dispiriting to this team, and that is why for the first time in his tenure as head coach, Joe Judge came out after a game and did not look, talk like a robot. He talked like a coach who was really pissed off. Yeah, and he should have. I mean, that the display by the offense, and we, we can get into specific players. You know, I thought Daniel Jones, for the most part, was Awful. I haven't seen him look that nervous or skittish all season long. Saquon Barkley, I could go all day long. He doesn't hit the hole. He's tiptoeing. He's jumping. Put Booker in the game. Listen, Saquon Barkley needs to earn his reps. He started off with a couple big runs and he's jumping. One time he ran flat into the line and didn't even move his feet. He just doesn't look like he's, I'm not going to call him scared. He just does not look ready to play football. You know, he said it very well after the game. He said, my brain and my feet and my legs caught up together. I mean, you could see that. See, you- see, Paul, I disagree with that. You're a professional running back. You practice for, for all week. Like, stop with the making it. That's an excuse. Like, I get there's timing. He just looks like he doesn't even want to shove the ball up in there. Like, when he runs, he looks completely different than Booker. So, I get mad at him because he's all talk. Saquon Barkley needs to shove the ball up there. You are the second pick of the draft. Stop with all the niceness. Yeah, you're a great kid. Who cares? Run the damn football with some authority. But hold on, hold on. So you you played in the game. You you don't account. I'm not giving him a rust. No, rust my ass. No, go run the football. Twenty six. You're the second pick of the draft. All this, I need to get my feet under me. That's what practice is for. You've had weeks and weeks and weeks of running around with the trainers. Get your ass in there and shove it up in there. You know Run what? the football. You know what? Maybe practice is for doing that more than the Giants do it. Maybe putting, maybe getting the pads on more during practice and, and knocking him around a little bit. They need to start Booker. Be better. Booker's a better player than Saquon Barkley. You can write that down. I said it. Booker is a better player than Saquon Barkley in 2021. No, no one's benching Saquon Barkley, and and they and he has a track record of getting better and better. Now, look, you're frustrated. We don't have time. We don't have time. Time for, for what? They're, they're, they're three and seven. Well, sure, I know, but we don't. We can't just keep saying he's going to get better this next week or two weeks from down the road. Now, certainly the New Orleans game, you thought there was a little glimpse of him coming back, but it's just too much of the of the injury bug for him. Not the president. You're the vice president and treasurer, probably of the Matt Burt fan. I am, but it does not make sense for a young coach with a team that is not going anywhere this year to not play Matt Pert. So if they're not playing him, what the hell is the problem? You know, why are they you not know, playing a young guy? Joe Judge has to step in here. Like, Matt Pert's good enough to play left tackle for us in the absence of Andrew Thomas, but you can't slide him over and play right. Every time they show a highlight of Daniel Jones getting hit, it's Nate Solder on his ass. He's falling down. Did you see him go out for an attack block on JPP in the first half? Absolutely embarrassing. It's like he's playing with a blindfold. This team has a lot of good guys, not a lot of good football players. Nate Solder, great guy. 
Terrible football player. Matt Pert, he needs to play right tackle moving forward. I got a quick question. What happened at the end of the first half there? Because that was the most disorganized thing. Again, 43 it, seconds that's and two timeouts. That's on you. Two, two dump-offs to Saquon Barkley. Fourth quarter, fourth and five. They they punt and quit on the game. How do you do no, quit no, on the you, game? You know, they absolutely they did, Jake. They they were they were in their own territory, and I I did not think they should be in attack mode there. I think you got to run the clock out and get into halftime down seventeen ten. But they kind of half assed it, right? They kind of they threw it, and they were waiting for a break. I think, and Joe Judge said it after the game, they were trying to make sure they didn't give the ball back to the Bucks. We have to give the defense a little bit of credit in that first half. I mean, they they kept sure it's the yards, yards, yards again, but they did not break. There's no quarterback pressure. I get that. But you, at the end of that half, 45 seconds, two timeouts, you got to take a chunk shot and see what happens. I mean, our furthest pass was thrown by Kadarius Tony, which tells me, again, they just don't think they can protect Daniel Jones enough to get, get the ball down the field. You know, Did you guys I'm think not, that was I'm, pass interference, by the way, on that play? No, that, that was a good call. That was no. a good call. No, and, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm not so sure we're going to give the defense and Patrick Graham a complete pass here either. I mean, look, Tom Brady, I don't I, I suppose they do laundry after the game. Right. And I suppose that he will get his jersey washed. I suppose. I don't know if he'll need to get his jersey washed. I don't think there was any grass stains on that jersey. I get it. The Giants have a history of beating Tom Brady in Super Bowls with four man pressure up front. I get that, which they cannot do, period. And Patrick Graham is not going to go Steve Spagnola and get some exotic blitzes here and pressure because he's scared to death of the ball being thrown over their player's head. And now with Logan Ryan out, who's the brains of the operation in the back, he really was afraid of that. But Paul, it's the whole playing not to lose thing. Even Patrick Graham's in on it, right? If they're they're going to keep playing the shell thing, man, you've got to take chances in this game in the league you have to take chances and trust your all your money's in the secondary if you really think about this team outside of Leonard Williams all the money's back there Adoree Jackson Bradbury uh obviously Logan Ryan wasn't back there but all their money's back there you gotta blitz this guy but you can't sit there and let him play seven on seven pass scale the thing I worry about with Daniel is all of this accumulates right as a player like if I miss a bunch of field goals at practice I take them into the game this game is so mental pro sports is mental and Daniel Jones has all the intangibles He's got all the arm strength. He's got the physical abilities. But, man, this game is mental, especially at quarterback. I worry that he has been beaten past the point of no return of, you know, almost like the David Carr when he played in Houston, when he got beat up for five years. And he came to us, and he was a solid backup, but probably never the player he should have been. I worry about that. I'm starting to worry about that now with Daniel because you can only get up to that podium so much and say, uh, you know, it's on me, it's on me, it's on me, we lost, and then talk about how poorly you played. I mean, I, I, I'm starting to worry about the mental side of his game, and I think it's getting to him. Well, there's no question it's getting to him. I mean, I see him every day coming to the podium, and – um you know, that hangdog expression is, is um, you know, I took a picture of and I, you know, from a video and I kind of, you know, took a, a still shot of it from two years ago when they won that game in Tampa. Right. His first start, you know, in Tampa. This was the God, second seems game. Seems like Raymond a decade ago, doesn't it? Yeah, yep. And, and you know, I'm sitting in that press box. Oh, yeah, that's the end zone over there where he ran in the joy. I guess what? They missed a field goal at the end of that game. Right. The Bucks. Daniel Jones is on the sideline when they missed a field goal. They showed Daniel Jones on the sideline and. 
his look. I mean, he actually looked younger. It was two years ago, but you know, <laughs> I think he's, he's been through a lot. You know, he was 22. Now he's only he, 24. He, he this looked, this you know, game will age you. So there's a lot yeah. of things that sum up the Giants season. One of them is that Andrew Thomas has more touchdowns than Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony. I mean, come on now. And we love Andrew Thomas. We talked about it when we had him on the show last month that, you know, hopefully they draw up another play for you in the end zone. But that's a telling sign that their only touchdown was to an offensive lineman. We got a preview of this Giants-Eagles doozy coming up next here on Blue Rush. When does it stop? All right, we're back here on Blue Rush. Lawrence Sines, Paul Schwartz, Jake Brown, Sarah McCrory, Andrew Hart. All here as we look ahead to Giants-Eagles Sunday. As we kind of wrap up last night, Sarah, you texted me that you had, uh, or I guess I saw on Twitter too, that you had old men in your replies uh, that were angry at you. Do you have a few of these tweets that you could read? And what were you frustrated about? Yeah, I mean, I think just going back to what we were just talking about, I'm not making excuses for Daniel Jones. I just don't know how you can watch football and blame that entire loss on Daniel Jones. And I forget who it was that we had on the show that made a really good point about Daniel Jones that I, as a fan, think is a big part of why people blame him a lot is like, I wish he had a pulse. Like, I wish he would get mad. I wish he would be like some of these other quarterbacks in the league that, you know, Daniel Jones should refuse to do a press conference. Like, I don't know, like show that you have some sort of personality. Like, I think that that has a lot to do with why fans blame him or don't like him because he just looks stoic. I don't know how to really explain it. There's something I thought you were going to say stoned for a second there. No, no, no. Uh, it's maybe that would help. I don't know. No, no, no. Sarah, no. that's a good point. And people want to see it, it was the same. Same argument with Eli, though, right? Like, people wanted to see this rah-rah. Yeah, but at least Eli I, was winning most of the time. Like, I, I Exactly. Like, I you have to win. Back. If you're going to act like Daniel does, you have to win football games and show that that actually works. I don't know that maybe Joe Judge has kind of brought over this, uh, I don't want to say this New England-type style press conferencing, because look at Tom Brady in Tampa. Completely different guy, right? Like, way more outgoing, social media, Daniel Jones, nobody knows who he is, but we talked about it earlier. The losing, it's hard, man. Basically, what I was saying was, I don't think personally that there's any quarterback in the league that would succeed behind this offense and this coaching staff. I don't. Like, I don't even think Tom Brady would have been able to. Did you see how much time Tom Brady was given last night to throw the ball? You're totally right. Daniel has regressed and it's concerning. And this isn't excuses like all the old men are saying in my replies that I'm making excuses. It's not an excuse. It's just. Well, they go right. They go right to the fact that he's a quarterback. He's a first rounder. He makes a bunch of money in turn to that like if you think about why is new england so good people always talk about how good that coaching staff is in new england if you want to see what they did this year with mac jones and i know mac jones is a good player but look what josh mcdaniels has done with that guy in that offense to get a rookie to play at this level this staff their job is to get players better they have not done that i don't think right now that the problem is daniel jones he has problems Mm. but i don't think he is the problem sarah i'm gonna have to disagree he is not good right now it's the first time in my life last night I looked at him and I said, he ain't it. When a guy named Huntley, that is a backup, undrafted free agent in Baltimore, goes into Chicago and wins a football game on the road, and then you can keep going down the list this year, Tyrod Taylor. I mean, there's so many guys, backup guys that are better than Daniel Jones. That's when you know he's not the guy. But Just is it moving because forward. the backups are better or because they're putting people around the backups? It's a, it's a combination of everything. It's the poor play. It's it's his play. It's the They can't protect them. It's mental. It's There's a lot of things that go into making a player good and bad. The things that have made him bad, 
I don't know if they're fixable. Yeah, I think they've ruined him completely. All right, a renewed life going to Giants Eagles Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Sarah McCrory will be in the building with her Eagles fan roommate. There will hopefully not be cat fights in the crowd, but we're going to see Sarah on World Star Hip Hop with her roommate. But there's renewed life. No Jason Garrett. Do the Giants use that as inspiration going into Sunday where there'll be a lot of Eagle fans? Lawrence, break the game down and make your pick. Oh, man. I think there will certainly be a more inspired effort on offense. Um, I don't think this changes much. I mean, to be honest with you, um, it'll make the game maybe a little closer. I still think Philly's a better football team. They're playing better football. They're getting better every week. I'm going to go Eagles 28-24. Yeah, they lose again. One of the reasons Jason Garrett is no longer the offensive coordinator is Daniel Jones stagnated, right? And you look across the way at the Eagles, and Jalen Hurts is not stagnating. A lot more touchdowns and interceptions. He's got what, eight rushing touchdowns. He's a young guy who the Eagles are navigating through some weaknesses, some growing pains, and they're doing what is very hard to do, rebuild and win. They're five and six. They're, you know, they're almost a winning team. So uh, the Giants have not done that. I like the point you made about Daniel Jones feeling some heat now. I really do. You can look in the mirror and say, you know, if I play better, Jason Garrett might be here. And uh, he also could look in the mirror last year and say, if I played better, Pat Sherman might still be here. And you know, those guys were good to him, and, um, you know, it's all a part of it. So, um, you know, I think this could help the Giants. I do. I'm not going to pick them to win and beat the Eagles because the Eagles are on a roll. They really are. They're playing better. There's going to be a lot of Eagle fans in the building. I think it could be, it's a close game. Eagles win. I say the Giants win 23-20. I think this move is not going to change the season, but for one week it will inspire them. And maybe they beat Miami, too, and then lose to the Chargers. But uh, I do think they win this game 23-20. Sarah, you'll be there. Are you – I feel like you're a little bit more enthusiastic now that Garrett is gone. Uh, does that change your mind about this game? Yeah, a little. I still don't think that the Giants are going to win, but I think it's worth noting um, to look back at, you know, the confrontation that Kenny Galladay had with Jason Garrett a few weeks ago. And I guess Paul would probably know better. From an outside perspective, it looked like the players didn't really like him. So I don't know if this will maybe put a little more life in them or kind of motivate them. Seems like it would to me, but I still don't think they're going to win. I don't know. It's still gonna, still not going to be great. Maybe like 17-21. All right, 21-17. And Andrew Hartz, another fellow Giants fan, will you join me in taking the Giants this week? I'll join you. Yeah, and I think the motivation behind this is obviously you want to show that the offense is going to thrive and can play well for Freddie at this point in time. And I'm also thinking about the fact about I think that Joe Judge is going to try to hype up the team, get them in the game, considering the Eagles kind of folded last year and tanked in that last game. So I think he's going to try to drive that point home and and try to say, listen, these guys cost us a chance to go to playoffs last year. Let's take it out on them this week. So because of that, because of the offensive coaching change, I'm going to go Giants 23, Eagles 20. Ah, same score. All right. We're, we're great minds. Think alike. Giants win. Well, Lawrence, let's close on a positive. Tell us about Michael Strahan, the teammate, the person. He's obviously made a boatload of money after his boat career, or more money. than his career. But uh, what, what was the teammate and the person that'll get honored on Sunday? Well, everyone knows Michael Strahan is one of the most awesome human beings you could ever meet in life. I remember getting traded to New York, and he was actually one of the first two or three people I met in the locker room. And he was so welcoming to this stupid kicker that the Giants traded for that no one knew about. He did once refer to me as the best dress kicker he's ever seen for road trips. So I appreciate that, Michael. Michael is a man of style. So when he says that, I uh, put that on my board. But Michael is just a great leader, great person, 
And obviously he was a very good football player, but overall just a wonderful leader, man. Never seen leadership like that in the NFL. A lot of good leaders, but man, he was one of one when it came to getting everyone's attention. Uh, you know, 53 men, that's hard to do what he did to get everyone to listen to him on a weekly basis. And he always had something good to say and something fun. So was honored to play with him. Paul, I'd imagine your words. <laughs> he never called you the best dress reporter. And I know you two had a few run-ins. Uh, what was your experience covering Michael Strahan? We did have run-ins, but that was all professional. You know, got a little personal maybe, but but not, nothing serious. You know, you're, you're, you're all big boys in the NFL. And you ask a question. I remember asking him a question at um, Sun Devil Stadium. You know, the, the uh, Cardinals used to play in the... Um, Remember that, Lawrence, at Sun Devil Stadium? Before, before my time, yeah. Before they went to Glendale, yeah. And and um, the pass rush was not good. They lost the game, and we were all around. That was back when we went in the locker rooms. And I said, you know, Michael, you know, the pass rush today, you know, what was what was the reason it wasn't really getting home? And he looked at me and said, Fort? <laughs> he just, all you think about is sacks. Oh, that's a MF bad question. All you think about, and he just went on and on and on and on and on. And, you know, that was that was part of Michael's shtick. You know what I mean? Is he, he would attack you and attack the question so much, and he didn't answer it. You know what I mean? So he didn't talk about the pass rush. That was his way of not talking about it. But you know what? Look, I mean, he was a pleasure to watch as a player. He was a great player. I never questioned him as a player. And that clip of your first Super Bowl, Lawrence, with him on the sideline, with him talking to the offensive lineman, and them all shaking their heads and like, you know, I've talked to the sneeze and, and deals about that when he's saying, you know, 1714 fellas, believe it and it'll happen. And those guys, you know, we're all thinking at the time, Michael, we know, just leave us alone so we can get our headspace in the right place to go out there and win a Super Bowl, right? But that was terrific stuff. You know, if that was in a movie, if I wrote that script in a movie, I think someone would say, yeah, it's a little corny. But when it ha- when it turns into reality, it's not too corny, is it? No, no. He had some really good ones that year in the playoffs. So there are a lot of pregame speeches that were pretty fun. Anyone? We'll close out with this. Was there one that stuck out? Do you have an impersonation of a stray hand no. pregame speech that sticks with you today? No. He, I want to say he brought up tractors when we were playing the Packers. I don't know why tractors, but that sticks out in my head. Like these tractor. Uh, it was just fun. He just made you sm- He, he kind of lightened the mood, but obviously hit home with what he was trying to say. So he always knew exactly exactly what to say but he did to stomp you out at the white house right yeah that 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 was fun and that that gets a little corny for me i don't know why the stomp you out thing is just not my thing but yeah well you weren't a defensive lineman you also didn't yeah you know, i didn't stomp people to, out i <laughs> you know you just kicked yeah, yeah. You, kicked, you kicked them out yeah yes yes we'll, yes we'll ride a tractor trailer in a sunday giants eagles and michael strahan getting on and happy thanksgiving everybody no drunkenness all right, Lawrence, this bloody pirate over here wants to hand it off to the Scotsman to close the show out. Well, that's how we closed in the show. That says cheerio to episode 87, the Howard Cross or Dominic Hickson edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Anyone you want to thank today? <laughs> Absolutely. You yourself, Jake, Sarah McCrory, and Andrew Hatch for producing this wonderful show. All right, Thanksgiving, Lawrence. What are you eating? What are you doing? Well, I think I'm going to have a nice filet mignon. I don't do turkey. It's a disgusting little bird, so I will pass on that. I'm going to marinate a filet mignon in sauce. <laughs> How are you feeling? You had COVID. Are you getting better going today? Will you be able to taste your filet mignon on Thursday? I can't taste anything. Smell it. Uh, no taste, no smell for eight days. Hopefully it comes back on Turkey Day and I can smell the firing of Jason Garrett. Give Blue Wash that bloody five-star rating, please. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Why don't you close us out, Lawrence, here? 
for Polly Schwartz, Jake Brown, Sarah McCrory and Andrew Hart. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm the Scotsman Lawrence Tynes. We are back next Monday following the Giants-Eagles game at MetLife Stadium. Enjoy your meals, you filthy animals, and we'll talk to you next The Bloody Eagles. Pooping at halftime.